Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Alfa Romeo Driver podcast, brought to you by the Alfa Romeo Owners Club. I'm Guy Swarbrick and this week I'm delighted to have with me Sabah Ali from Research Garage in Nuneaton. I think it's fair to say that one of the criticisms often levelled at Alfa Romeo dealers is the lack of passion and knowledge of some of the dealer salespeople, but that's certainly not something you could accuse Sabah of. 4C owner and active member of the East Midlands section, he eats, sleeps and, as we'll see, dreams Alfa Romeo. Good afternoon, Sabah. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So we'll, we'll get on to um, your current role in a, in a moment or two, but how did you get involved with Alfa Romeo in the first place? Did the, the passion for the brand lead you to your job or was it the other way around? It was a bit of both. My late father owned uh, an Alfa Romeo 156, albeit it was a battered many hundreds of thousand miles, two litre uh, JTS. That was the car I used to sneak out of my parents' house at around 12 o'clock or one, one o'clock in the morning. As, a, as an 11-year-old trying to figure out how the clutch worked. You know, I did jolt it forward many times before I eventually learned what it does. That was kind of the first car I really was naughty with, I suppose, but I, I, that's what got me into cars sort of thing. And I had a few sales roles before the one I'm in now. And uh, it was always said to me, you know, I have this uh, encyclopedic knowledge of, of cars, you know, why not put it to good use? So I, uh, I applied to Leicester Alfa Romeo, but uh, they, they actually, I was 19 at the time, and they actually turned me down to say I wasn't experienced enough and uh, I wouldn't be able to deal with the potential clientele for that brand. So I wasn't too happy with that because there was, so it was a staged interview. We had to get through three stages and I got through all three and I, he had to do a math test and all that kind of stuff. And I came second and I was beaten by a chap who had many years of experience. So I, I pursued the uh, general manager at the time and I, I, um, I kind of rang him several times uh, asking him, you know, because that chap actually didn't start. And uh, what he did say was I could work for the same company, albeit in the Suzuki brand. So I started out with Suzuki, but it was always my aspiration to get in with Alfa Romeo. So I worked in Suzuki for 18 months, which was, was fantastic. And I eventually pushed them to transfer me over to Alfa. And here I am four years later. So you made a swift departure from Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki was great. I actually, I actually do miss it. Um, unlike Alfa, it was a very simple brand um, and and incredibly easy to sell. Uh, I have to say, with, with Suzuki, they're fantastic value cars and they're reliable. Um, but uh, no, very very much glad I made the move. So you've been um, you've been in the role for four years. How long have you how long have you owned an Alfa? Um, three and a half years. Um, so i had when i was working for suzuki i had an abarth 124 spider and then uh, actually first set my eyes on on the alpha 40 when it first came in around 20 uh, 2014 and this is when i was in suzuki and uh, i fell in love with the car absolutely you know when i first laid eyes on one in 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 the flesh absolutely smitten and i i made the promise to myself that i'd eventually get one so I started working or working for Alpha, uh, and I knew I had to save for many years to be able to afford afford such a car. Then the news came through in 2017 that the 4Z would be no more. Alpha would get rid of it, um, it, you know, prematurely in my opinion. And I had a bit of a panic because I wanted my spec. I wanted you know white cloth seats, uh, yellow brakes, dark wheels, and sports exhaust. And I knew that if I didn't get one new, I'd have to try and find a used one. And I knew that people buy these cars for a reason. And I, I, I didn't want that one that was meddled with and I wanted one of my spec and I just knew I wouldn't be able to find it. So I raided every 
sort of <laughs> savings account and uh, at every bit of money I had just for the deposit to be able to finance one. And uh, I eventually, I actually couldn't do it, but my wife actually placed the order for me on my behalf without my knowledge because she knew I couldn't make, I couldn't make the leap. I just couldn't do it. It was just too much money. But she pushed me to do it, and, I, and I'm very grateful for to, for doing so. And uh, yeah, seven eight months later, it was built and, and ready. Yeah, but, and I've owned that car ever since new, and I still got it to this day. So you you said you didn't want a second hand one because people do tend to to kind of mold them in their own image. Four C owners tend to tweak a few bits here and there. What have you done to yours? Um, so far, just cosmetic. I've put a couple of decals on. <laughs> As some some chaps from the East Midlands group might might know, hastily applied decals uh, <laughs> to the car, which uh, it's got some bubbles in it. But I've actually left it on the car, and uh, uh, the guys from the East Midlands group will know what it looks like, and um, I, I do like it. But I haven't really meddled the car in any other way. It's a very good reason for it. You know, a lot of people do the Alphawork suspension mod, or uh, you know, which is quite popular. The thing is, is that I do like driving the car, and I like the the fact that you know I only drive it perhaps once a week or once a fortnight, you know, and even less so in the winter. And I like the the fact that you've got to be awake when you drive it. You know, the car will launch you into the nearest ditch if it, if it has the opportunity. But I like that you've got to really drive it. You can't. It's not a car you can cruise in. But that's part of the, the appeal of it. You know, a lot of people like the Nürburgring Nordschleife racetrack. And why do they like it? Because it's dangerous, because it's so risky, because you have to be really awake when you drive that circuit. And it's only for the people who are very skilled or, or, or very brave to drive that sort of track. And I think that if you go for the Alphaworks mod, yes, okay, certainly improves it. But uh, it takes away that randomness aspect and that sort of quirk and uh, I like to call it alphaism. Uh, of the car and you know I think you're taking a part of its character away okay I can see when YP some people might do it but I think it's I think it's perfect for me same with power a lot of people do the Alphaworks or Celtic Tuning Works uh, ECU mod in my opinion it has enough power yeah you know I've, I've never driven that car and wished it, it, it was quicker you know the, the only time when you wish it was quicker is perhaps when you're on a racetrack yeah you know, at a very fast one well, racetrack with lots of straights uh, you know you, you could never use all of its power up Castle Coombe, um, you know, or Cadwell or someone like that, or Brands Hatch Indy even. So I think it's more than enough power. I love the steering for what it is. You know, eventually I do uh, I do want to perhaps line the interior. I'd like to do an full Alcantara interior. So the, the, the dashboard, the centre console, the door cards, I think would look fantastic in all Alcantara. I think that'd look tremendous. Uh, but that's probably as far as I'd go. You, you mentioned a couple of tracks there. I, I saw a lot of the back of your 4C at Silverstone just over a year ago, <laughs> despite having the same engine with an extra 60 horsepower. That wasn't a Giulietta though. W was that a, a one-off or are you a, a track day regular? No, I've not actually done many track days. It's something I, I really want to pursue, but albeit I'd like to go with people from the club or friends rather than go on my own. And I think to try and get everyone together to go at the same time, it's, it's easier said than done. Uh, I've done uh, Silverstone, Kerbera, which isn't really a racetrack. It's more just a, someone's back garden uh, with some time. I can, and that was, that was a, a fun little road to go around. And the Brands Hatch Indie Circuit. Uh, I've done Rockingham as well, but not in the 4C. And so I'm very much an amateur, but I am from, I'm a little ashamed to say, I'm from the PlayStation generation where uh, I've, I've spent my life on Gran Turismo and I've pretty much memorized all the circuits going. So I know Silverstone on top of my head, you know, Brand Satch, all that kind of stuff. So uh, when I get there, I don't necessarily need 
as much uh, practice as such to, to be able to get everything right. It's more learning the car than the track at its limit. So I'd love to, I'd love to do more track days. Um, uh, you know, I think it'd be fun. Uh, I'd love to get more of the guys involved, uh, you know, and, uh, and go together. Cause I think it'd be a good laugh. I mean, I had a good tussle, a tussle up with, uh, Salvatore who owns the Monte Carlo Blue Julia Quadrifoglio, so I've seen it in Top Gear. And it, it, it was fantastic because he'd have me on the straights. He'd absolutely leave me for dust. But round the corners, I then he then couldn't keep up with me, and we were just jostling for position. And it was actually, we thought we were going to get a black flag at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we're just millimeters away from each other. So there's some good photos actually of us of us nearly crashing into each other. Uh, and, uh, but it was a, br- a brilliant bit of fun. A brilliant bit of fun, and uh, I think we should do more of them. You mentioned uh, the the East Midlands section a couple of times. Tell us some some of the things you've got up to as a, a member of the section. Um, we have some great events. You know, John Griffiths is, is fantastic at getting some variety in there. Before the era of lockdown, we used to meet up once a month, sometimes more often, usually the second Wednesday or Thursday of every month, and each meet would have a different theme. So one would be a, a spider theme. So everyone brings their spiders with the roofs off and uh, you know we have a good chat, chit chat. One is kind of a ride and drive. So we take everyone out for passenger rides, which is really popular. You know, if you want to have a go in a, a ride in a classic alpha or a modern alpha or a quadrifolio or something, it was brilliant to get some experience of that. There's very few other clubs that allow you to do that. We, do, we did Kerbera twice. So Kerbera, we all go to, again, just single laps, just to kind of experience your car on a, on a private road where you can try and explore the limits of it, which was brilliant. Show and tell, show and tell is good. So we, we bring in, you know, random alpha bits of historical bits of merchandise or different items and, and talk about it, which is really interesting. So lots of different different sort of meets and, and it's always interesting. There's always something different and unusual. So it keeps it fresh, you know, and, and it doesn't get boring. And I think, you know, the, the likes of John Griffiths and Paul Jones, you know, they're, 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 they're all great. I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I've missed any others, but uh, they're great at putting, pulling together and getting a good event going. I cheat a little bit with the equivalent in the Thames Valley section because um, I have a four-wheel drive 939 Spider, so I take that I take that to Spider Night and front-wheel drive night and rear-wheel drive night, um, <laughs> and, and, and I'm lobbying for a four-wheel drive night so that I can just <laughs> take, take it to there as well. Obviously, there's a lot going on in a normal year. How have you found this year in terms of club events, and have you been participating in things like the Zoom meetings? Yeah, somewhat. So um, we, we've had a few, I think, two or three Zoom meetings. Unfortunately, I've got two, well, fortunately, fortunately, I have two children at home. <laughs> so um, I've got a four-year-old and a 11-month-old, and if they see anything remotely digital or a piece of technology in the room that they can meddle with, they'll be on it. So it's very difficult to find a private room in the house where, where they wouldn't get hold of me. So unfortunately, I've missed a couple, but I have attended a couple. And again, fun. You know, there's always something interesting going on. It's uh, it's funny watching a couple of people not get on with the technology. It's a shame not to see everyone in person. It's nice to meet up and catch up, and uh, especially those who purchase cars from uh, from our garage. And it's nice to catch up with them and see how they're getting on with their cars. Subject to not having any problems since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I was, uh, given your PlayStation generation comment, I was I was going to ask you why you hadn't competed in the virtual racing, but it's quite difficult with an 11 month old on your lap, I suspect. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I've not. I can't remember the last time I turned on the PlayStation, let alone uh, anything else. Uh, I'd love to get. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to take part and participate because I think I'd be uh, okay at it. But again, with the with work especially. We've been very much responsible for trying to keep the, keep the business going. And, you know, a lot of the time we've been working 12, 13, 14 
hour shifts, and, uh, unfortunately, just to keep everything sort of uh, keep the doors open, if you like. As you as you can imagine, the car industry has been very topsy turvy. So a lot of my time's been dedicated to work, and the rest of it is dedicated to the children and getting them dressed and. <laughs> <laughs> for dinner and all that kind of stuff. So unfortunately, kind of the last time I watched my, you know, TV program. So it's it's all been work, work, children, work, children for the last year or so, or last six months or so. And I think we all hope things are going to get better next year. Is there anything you'd like to see the club do for members, or or any aspect of the club you'd like to get more involved in? Again, like I mentioned earlier, track days. I think you know we're all car enthusiasts, and I, I'd love to see us all on track together. You know, I think that you know when we did the Silverstone Day. I, I took so much pleasure in seeing all the cars photographed together. You know, in one place, there's a particular image where the cars are in the pit lane all together, all lined up together. The one with my Giulietta behind the Lamborghini. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> so it was so good to see all the outfits together and then and then just hear, tire, you know, squealing tyres and, and uh, you know, people giving it some around the racetrack. I think it was just a, a brilliant event. So if we can do, uh, you know, two, maybe that in a year, I think that'll be a, a brilliant thing. And it also, I think it's a good bit of practice to understand your own car. You know, there's a lot of people out there who bought, you know, quadrifolios in particular, even, even you know, the Veloce Giuliettas, the 1.75, same as yours. You know, people don't know how to drive them. And especially when they start to lose grip. And it's when you can drive your own car on a circuit, it makes you so much more of a confident driver in, on the road because you understand your own car, you understand its limitations. So you don't have to worry about going beyond the limit, potentially getting into trouble. So I think that'd be fantastic. I think events we've got buttoned down really well. I'm glad to see the manufacturer got involved last year. Something I've been, you know, myself and Paul Jones uh, in particular pushed. I think, um, you know, the the Alpha Club is somewhat an underappreciated group, but now that's that's changing for the better. So I think a couple of manufacturer sponsored events or or one where they they make an appearance, I think is fantastic. Uh, The National Alpha Day we had in 2019 in particular, which I I think just a mega event, you know, with the Julia and Stelvio racing editions making an appearance there which is which is great to see because a lot of people those two cars being there change a lot of opinions a lot of people hate it then they saw them in the flesh and saw the big spoiler and the big side skirts and really thought actually you know what that looks amazing so you know i think them making an appearance is fantastic and it makes that makes members of the club feel valued which is great so yeah i think track days uh, a couple of manufacturer sponsored events would be great i'd love to do perhaps at the showroom even without self-endorsing on a podcast. Uh, I'd love to do something like a watch-along. So we watch uh, perhaps people who are into Formula One, we meet up uh, and watch the F1 all together, you know, perhaps in the summer. And I think watching F1 as a group is actually really entertaining. And, you know, sometimes if you're on your own at home, it could be a bit of a bore fest and you just end up falling asleep halfway through. So I think a watch-along would be a fantastic thing. You talked about work, talked about how busy you've been, but tell us about selling Alfa Romeo's in 2020. How's it going and, and how much of a challenge has it been? Yeah, the, a, a very big challenge. Um, you know, the it was all going very well, actually, up until March the 23rd, I think it was. Um, the, you know, Alfa was actually on to a record month with the, some members might know there were some fantastic deals on on the outgoing MY19 Julia and Stavia models to make way for the MY20. So there's some fantastic deals to be had in March. So everything was going very, very well. You know, we were every, almost every dealer was going beyond their targeted, you know, numbers. And uh, yeah, then it all came crashing to a halt at the end of the month. So customers at the end of the month were, hadn't had mixed sort of feelings. So some basically just abandoned, said, no, we're walking away from the deal until further notice some were breaking all sorts of laws trying to get their cars in <laughs> before uh, you know before 
everything kind of stopped. So that was an interesting time. I actually worked throughout the whole of lockdown. My job actually was, you know, to, for those people who were still looking to purchase cars, but online um, only to facilitate those and also keep the cars alive. You know, many people will know that Julie's and Stalvi's in particular, if you leave them stood for too long, they'll just die. So my, my job was a bit monotonous. It became a, a job of starting cars up and letting them run for about 15 minutes, uh, one car once a week. So, um, you know, we've got about two or 300 cars on site. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was a bit boring, but then it was fairly quiet, but we were still, still taking orders. Uh, and then in May, we got the green light to start delivering. So we started delivering cars all around the country, which is a fantastic experience, actually, delivering people's new cars to their homes. Some people might remember that uh, I covered up the fronts to the cars with, with just some makeshift vinyl because I delivered one new Julia Quadrifoglio back in eight, uh, May. And uh, I picked up the tiniest for stone chips uh, on the way. Nothing I could do about it, right on the corner of the grill. The customer noticed it and, as you can imagine, wasn't very happy. Held me accountable. So I had to take the car back uh, and have it repaired. But this is someone's brand new Julia Quadrifoglio. So I basically said, I'm going to protect every bumper and bonnet for every car I deliver now from that, from that point. So uh, it was fantastic because on the motorways, people thought it was some sort of prototype vehicle concept so we had people like trying to swerve over trying to take pictures uh, of the car and sell it for as much money as possible to auto car magazine so it was, it was a good experience delivering around the country it was actually we had a good time you know i'd, I'd have a colleague in tow and, and then drive back together so it was a good time i got stopped several times by police which was entertaining because i'd be in a julia quadrifolio and they'd stop by and say this is your car sir no it isn't okay <laughs> how old are you i'm 25 Right. Uh, can you step out of the vehicle, please? Uh, so, <laughs> I'm not doing anything bad. It's just whenever police see a car with trade plates in the windows, they don't like it. So they, they, they can stop you, especially if it's a nice car. So, um, but no, we were naturally busy. And then once June hit and dealerships were officially allowed to open, it was a free-for-all. It was absolutely free-for-all. Uh, I've never been so busy in my life. We were all working probably 14-hour shifts per day, six or seven days a week, just to keep up with the level of inquiries and sales and things that are going on. Don't forget the MY20 has just been launched. So yeah, the, the, the new facelift, well, facelift uh, updated Julia and Stelvios and people are flocking in to buy them. So it was an incredibly busy period of the year. So June, July was, was fantastic. And then August was all about the 70 reg registered cars. So everybody was placing their forward orders. So again, incredibly busy time. And then September was a record month. So we'd never sold so many Alfa Romeos uh, in one month in our history. So uh, it was fantastic. And uh, yeah, we had a really good going until obviously Boris has finally taken into account his scientist recommendations and he's locked us down again. And now it's gone back to how it was back in March. And I know it's early days yet, but the affinity deal with the clubs now in place, has that made any impact yet? Has it made a difference? Yeah. Massive. Absolutely massive. I have to say, I'm incredibly grateful for the to the brand and the people who pushed it. But it, it, it's, it's, it's an incredible uh, amount of money that you can potentially get uh, off the price of the car. What I like about Alpha is that they've kept it quiet, apart from the people that it's relevant to. And the, the reason why I say that is because when you see discounts and cash off and uh, finance deposit allowances plastered everywhere it makes the car seem less desirable so you know you'd never see a porsche you know advertised with ten thousand pounds off you'd never see a bentley with any money off you'd never see a Rolls royce whereas other manufacturers like you know volume manufacturers like Ren renault and uh Vauxhall and things like that they're all they can talk about is interest free and and how much money you can get off on and uh what alpha have done is they've been able to do 
a great deal for the members but at the same time keep it hush so it keeps the value factor in the cars and therefore they they retain their value and they're desirable you know to advertise discounts is a very very poor poor thing to do for the brand so i like that they've done that so in terms of numbers the julia quadrifolio for example one of the members of the club actually just just purchased one from us the normal finance deposit allowance for pcp finance is 1500 pounds so that's how much you get as a contribution from alpha to purchase a car on finance an affinity member can get £11,000 off the price of the car. So it's an, an incredible amount of money. And that's purely for being an Alpha Club, uh, a paying Alpha Club member. You know, so your £42 or uh, whatever you might be paying uh, per year has just got you £11,000. It's, not, it's not a bad return on that investment, it's is it? It's not a bad return, is it? You know, yeah, I, think, I think if you calculate it, you'd have to do uh, 400 uh, you'd have to be paying. You'd have to be paying Alpha Club member for three, 300 years uh <laughs> to, to to break even uh you know so it's a fantastic offer don't get me wrong they're still they're still expensive you know otherwise i'd be driving one <laughs> uh, but um nevertheless it's a significant amount of money to to, to, to take off the car similarly with julia uh, you know veloce and stelvio and things like that um, there's some fantastic deals out there uh, don't forget, this is on top of the loyalty offer that you get as well. So Alpha is one of those few manufacturers to give you a sum of money just for being an existing Alpha customer. Now, bear in mind, you can buy an Alpha 147 1.9 diesel for 400 quid, uh, own it for six months, and then you get £2,000 off this car. So, you know, why wouldn't you? Alpha are very generous when it comes to that, and, and they're not applauded enough for it. So yeah, you can get quite a significant amount of money off uh, a new car just by just by being an Alpha member and uh, or owning a previous Alpha. So yeah, they're, they're absolutely fantastic. We've definitely seen an increase in inquiries ever since, and uh, you know I think it's a very very good thing for the brand because we're retaining existing Alpha owners. And I've always said this, and I'll, I'll never say it enough that that the Alpha's most important customer is the Alpha Club because they are people who will sing the praises of the brand no matter what you know the no matter what what the problem is no matter how bad the dealers are you know they, they'll always sing his phrases and uh, i think it's a very good thing so yeah i'm, I'm very happy with that alpha uh, come to the party and uh, and offered definitive deals it's different for every car and it's different for every trim level the, the more expensive the car the more you get off uh, with the exception of special editions um so it can be very very lucrative uh, tremendous tremendous thing to do i think despite how well you guys are doing and, and having a record month and stuff i think the general consensus is that the quality and the position in the in the market versus the rivals of, of the julia and the selvio isn't reflected in in the volume of sales that the alpha is getting and i know you're doing your bit but what would you like to see alpha do to support you more and and get the the number of people into julia's and stelvio's that that should be in them yeah, absolutely. So there, there, there's a number of reasons. Um, there's no quick fix for it. But the, the, the biggest thing for me was is, is product knowledge of turning Alpha into a, a household name. Uh, that's, a, that's a big, big, big thing. We recently had a staff member join us and he just bought himself uh, an Audi A4 about a year before he was employed by Alpha. He told me he didn't even know what the Alfa Romeo Julia was until he was preparing for his job interview. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's very powerful. And he was a car enthusiast. So, you know, the, the fact that he's bought a very bland and dreary car 
um, when he could have had something like like a Julia was was disgraceful. I think that the, the fact that he's got no knowledge of what it is, I think is poor. So I think we need to get the brand message out there more, yeah, which our Alpha are doing, uh, you know, with respect to them. So they, 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 they're doing more in advertising and social media, uh, which is very becoming more and more of a powerful platform. So definitely getting the message out there uh, is a big thing. And, you know, I think in terms of pricing and product, I think we're there. You know, we're, we're in line or better than our rivals. If you get your top Trump, you know, top Trump cards out and compare a Julia Veloce to a BMW 330i, in almost every category, we are better. We are we have a better looking car. It's more economical. We're more powerful. We're better specified. We've got a longer warranty. Our servicing's cheaper. Uh, our residual values are better, believe it or not. So we've got everything, every box ticks there. The dealers are getting better. Uh, despite what you might read on Facebook and other forums, you know, there's a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, there's a lot of dealers doing very good things for customers that isn't often enough talked about. So they they are improving somewhat. There's no quick, easy reason to why we aren't selling in our desired numbers. I think one big thing, and it's probably a bit too late to change it now, is that there's not that many uh, dedicated Alfa Romeo dealers. Um, a lot of Alfa dealers are part of what we call brand centers, which is combining with Alfa Romeo, Jeep, uh, Abarth, and Fiat, uh, and sometimes Fiat Professional. Um, so sometimes it can be diluted. But having said that, you know, if you go to, you know, uh, other garages, they can be quite similar. Um, you know, if you go to Sitna, uh, Sitna have a number of, you know, they have Audi, BMW, Mercedes all together sometimes. So they, they and they don't have the problem. So it's not an excuse, but uh, uh, I think if we had, you know, more dedicated salespeople, but that will come with time. I think with when, you know, the way I consider Alfa Romeo to be is how Audi was in the mid to late 1990s. It, that's how I'd say our brand awareness is. You know, we, we're known, I think, uh, you know, publicly as a good brand, a sporty brand. You know, we're endorsed by several journalists like Chris Harris and Jeremy Clarks and people like that who, who very much endorse the brand. It's just a matter of time where we get more cars out there, we keep putting new products out there, continue to innovate, and then eventually with time, we will be where Audi is today. There's a for and against that. You know, if you do become as big as Audi, you you risk your brand becoming diluted. You know, with with rubbish. Um, you know, the, uh, you can name five Audis that just don't have the they don't. You know, we talk about brand values, and Alpha's brand values is is dynamism, it's uh, emotion, it's uh, perfect weight distribution. Um, you know, innovation, and you want to stick with that. So you don't really want to become as big as the German brands. They are ultimately volume makers now. They are not luxury makers. They are volume-based makers who offer some luxury products. The way I'd like to see AlphaGo is in the direction of Porsche. So Porsche make exclusive cars. They, they only have about five cars in the range, but they're very much considered as being the best cars in the range. Now, they're not the best cars in the range because the Stelvio factually is a better car than the Porsche Macan. But the Porsche Macan will sell in better numbers because of the badge on its bonnet. If you go back to the 1980s, that wasn't the case with Porsche. Porsche were on the verge of bankruptcy before they were acquired by BW, and they were just known for making one good car, which is a 911. We're similar to that now. We make two good cars, Stavio and Giulia. With respect to the Giulietta, it is an older car now. Um, you know, it's a 10-year-old car ultimately, although we've still got the new Sprint in the sharing, uh, which is also known as the final edition, if you like. We are very much on the up. 
uh, and I would like us to see be considered in the same similar name to Porsche. I appreciate we'll never become as expensive as Porsche, which is probably a good thing because that's that's Maserati's job. But we're very much the sporty brand, but we're still accessible for the wider audience. So yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. We haven't met the sales figures we have just yet, but then we've had a few obstacles in its place. And I think the 2020 Julia and Stavia bring the cars into line, or if not better than our rivals. So again, it's just a matter of time. It's interesting that you choose Porsche as a as a benchmark in that context. My favourite Enzo Ferrari quote was, we could sell all the cars that we manufacture in California in a month. But if we did, we'd just be like Porsche. You own a 4C. 4C is a lot of people's dream alpha. Yeah. Are there any other alphas on your wish list? Oh, yes, many. How much money do I have? <laughs> uh, my, my next alpha I'd like to get, I'm really after, this might be a bit of an unusual one, I'm after a Alfa Romeo 164 3 litre. Yeah, I, I'm very much in the market for one, preferably white with grey bumpers. Uh, that, that's what I'm after. And I have many fans for it. Uh, I don't know, it's just uh, something about that car appeals to me. I think it's a great, a fantastic looking car and uh, obviously fantastic engine. And I think will age really well with time. Another one is a, a 147 GTA, uh, it, it, you know, pearl white with tan leather. Uh, or black and tan leather. Uh, 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 my favourite colour is white, by the way. I don't know. If you I, I, I did <laughs> get that. Yeah. I do like I do like cars in white. My last four cars in white. I would love a one four seven. If money allowed it, uh, I'd like to have a Stavio Quadrifoglio. The, the Stavio Quadrifoglio it upsets me how underrated this car is. When it came out in 2018, they took the car around three different circuits around the UK. You know, Brands Hatch. The other two escaped me, but they, they broke the records for the world's fastest SUV around those tracks, around the Nürburgring, world record for the world's fastest SUV. The car does 0 to 60 in 3.7 seconds. You know, go back 10 years, the Ferrari California couldn't do 0 to 60 in 3.7 seconds. You know, to, so to think a family SUV starting at 62,000 pounds, whatever it is, you know, can do that. It's phenomenal. Um, we have an amazing product, you know, a groundbreaking, innovative, innovative product. And to this day, nobody has made a faster SUV for the same money. Nobody has. Porsche Macan Turbo is a more expensive, but still slower car. The F-Pace SVR is a slower car. Uh, the KN Turbo is a slower car. The only cars that outperform it are the Lamborghini Urus, um, you know, and uh, um, I think one other super SUV, maybe the Bentley Bentayga. But no nobody makes as good as an SUV, sub hundred thousand pounds in the entire world. You know, I think that's how powerful the brand is. That the, the car's still faster than its its big brother, the the, the Maserati Levante Trofeo, uh, which has just come out and it's still a slower car. So it's so underrated and it drives like a car. There's a lot of people, especially in the club, who are guilty of this, who say, you know, I don't like SUVs. SUVs are terrible. Uh, I still have this attitude, but they've made it drive like a car. I'd almost go on. A, I'd almost be go as far to say. Stavio Quadrifoglio handles better, I want to go around a track purely in corners, quicker than a 156 GTA, you know, in terms of handling performance. That's how advanced that car is. And I, and I, and I insist, if nobody's driven one before, uh, you know, uh, in anger, drive one because it'll change your mind. I was of that view about SUVs in general before I drove the, the Stelvio. And I drove it at Goodwood, uh, an Alfa event. And about three or four laps into my stint, I suddenly had to remind myself that I was driving an SUV because it was just handled so benignly, was so flat in the corners. And, and then I was lucky enough to spend three days in the 
in the Welsh moors with one, and it is just a absolutely phenomenal car. You say it drives like a car. I, I, I think to me the the really impressive thing is that it drives like an alpha. It, yeah, it's not just a car. It is. It's every bit an alpha. And and the 147 GTA is another um, interesting choice. I I went to my local dealer to put a deposit on a 156 Sport Wagon, and they had 147 GTA in for first test drives and I took a test drive and came back and put a deposit on the GTA instead and it, it was a phenomenal car I, the, the the amazing thing about that car is if I compare that objectively with my 300 horsepower remapped Giulietta Veloce the Giulietta is a better car it's it's quicker it's more responsive it handles slightly better but I still don't have the same emotional attachment to the Giulietta that I did to that GTA it's a phenomenal looking car as well absolutely even in white yeah, <laughs> even <if laughs> the best colour. <laughs> well, Sabah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for taking the time to be with us this afternoon. No, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure and hope to see, uh, see you again. Before we go, I'd just like to put in a quick plug for rounds 22, 23 and 24 of the Arup Bianco Motorsports Future Alpha Racer Championship. If you haven't seen it so far, this is our prestigious virtual racing series, with the winner getting a racing licence, a test day and an outing in a real racing car at the opening round of the Alfa Romeo Championship in April 2021, courtesy of our friends at Bianca Motorsport. All rounds are streamed live in the main Facebook group and on YouTube, and now feature live commentary from McRae Williams, which adds a whole new dimension to the racing. This week's event is a bit special, with our first ever triple header from Bahrain, with race one in the daylight, race two into the sunset and race three in the dark. Qualifying in the three races will be streamed from 7.30 on Thursday the 26th of November, with lights out for the first race at five past eight. That's it for this episode. As usual, we'll be back in two weeks' time from 1.30 on the 6th of December for our penultimate podcast of 2020, available to download from Podbean, iTunes, YouTube and everywhere else good podcasts are found. Until then, stay safe.